next thing you know, I'm trying to run over the director of solutions in my in, in my car I just bought, which I still have. I got the video on my phone, bro. I'll send it to you later. There he goes. Now he's about to blast. I walked over there and tried to pull. You blast him on the other side of the car. Doors open and he's fucking in the door. Hmm. Here he goes. There he goes. Now he's got him pinned behind. He's the got him pinned behind the no door. No right shit. All the way up into the dumpster. Oh. Tries or to the, fucking crush him into the door and then crush and then look. Welcome to the show, David. What's going on, man? How you doing? Good, man. Good. Thanks for coming on. Uh, your sober date, you, you just celebrated three months, right? Yes, sir. What's your sober date? September 11th? September 11th, 2021. Yeah. So what was going on for you back in September? Um. Well, I, I got out of jail about nine months ago, and I would have had nine months, but um, I had a brief relapse um i use kratom and a lot of people they 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 look at it as why are you this kratom why would you go back why would you start your sobriety date over to be honest with you i mean um i feel like that the relapse started in my head it don't matter what it was um it really i mean the relapse it was the the idea of me knowing that i was putting something that was going to alter my mind um and so i i decided to start my sobriety date over yeah, I can totally respect that too. It's not the it's not the what, it's the why, you know? Yeah. When it comes down to why you were putting in your body. Like like I use cannabis, but I don't use it to like catch feelings. I don't even smoke it, you know. I just take little capsules, not even edibles, not even powerful shit. Just like microdosing with my blood pressure medicine, you know, just because yeah. it helps my anxiety throughout the day and my depression. So, you know, it's nothing like, and I'm not good at taking Xanax. I can't take Xanax responsibly. Uh -huh. I've learned that shit. <laughs> I've learned that shit, bro. So, you know, but the cannabis, that doesn't take me out. I've been using it for three and a half years as a medicine, you know, and I haven't touched opiates since. So, you know, for me, it works, but also I don't use it to abuse it. And I don't use it to catch a feeling or escape. You know, like, that's why I don't smoke, because it's about changing my relationship. If I was to smoke... I'm escaping right away, right? I can feel that right away. If I'm thinking yeah. a capsule, it's going to hit me one to three hours. And I don't know when. It's not even going to really hit me, hit me. It's just going to start. I'll feel less anxious and I'll feel less depressed. You know, it's nothing like yeah. where I'm like, hey, bro, I'm fucking baked. It's not like that. You wouldn't even know I use it if I didn't tell you. You know, I just, well, run, um, it's, you know, it's funny. It's, I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah. it's funny how, how little things, I mean, the small things that we don't even recognize it really blocks us from our connection with God. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I could tell the difference when I was using it because I knew I wasn't supposed to be using it. And I could tell that the connection with God was blocked. Yeah. And then as so, soon as I got off of it, it was just like right back where I right back where I left off. It was it's amazing, bro. Like it's amazing how every day that I wake up today, it's it's a blessing. Like I, I used to not enjoy waking up in the mornings. Now I enjoy waking up in the mornings and seeing the sunrise when I'm at work. It's yeah, crazy. bro. I, I see you posting early in the mornings. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're ready to get the day going, you know, you're dressed to the nines usually, you know, you're ready to kill it. So, yeah. you know, I can, I can definitely see that. Like, I don't want to call, I don't want to say you're on a pink cloud, but I can see the pink cloud, you know, and it's a beautiful yeah. thing to see early in people's sobriety, especially when, you went through what you went through with getting nine months while you're locked up and then, you know, you get out and then you have a slip and then you get back on the horse again. That's like, you know, it takes a lot to be like, Hey, I fucked up. I want to start over. Yeah. Um, now you're in jail for nine months. You know, it's usually pretty easy to get shit. You know, I talked to somebody the other day and they were having a tough time in jail because of COVID of getting packages in there. So they actually quit in jail because of COVID and they couldn't get shit inside the jails, but she was in Canada and she was lucky because Canada gives their prisoners suboxone and methadone inside to help them withdraw. In the United States, if you're kicking up, that's crazy. They're kick rocks. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, deal yeah. with it, motherfucker. But in Canada, they're like, here's some subs, here's some methadone. They make it easy for them to quit up there. In America, it's like if you're not withdrawing from alcohol or benzos, they're just saying deal with it. You know, it's it's wild to think about like that, but it is what it is at this point. So what did you go in for for that while for nine months? Um, it was um, uh, ag uh, assault and battery, high and aggravated nature. Um, was that it was time alcohol. last year. It was, 
Yeah. Yep. Um, it was alcohol infused. Um, like when I, when I take or do any kind of substances, alcohol, be alcohol, drugs or anything, I turn into a different person, bro. I'm, I'm one of those type of people you do not want to be around. Um, I'm, I'm almost unbearable. Um, so, and, and I really didn't recognize it. It took me this time going to jail. I've been in and out of jails my whole life, prisons, jails, like, uh, this would be the first Christmas that I got to spend actually sober. And I was able to buy my daughter a, a, a gift for Christmas. You know what I'm saying? It's the small things like that. It's like, yeah. wow, I ain't never done nothing like this. You know what I'm saying? But it was this past time I was in jail that um, I finally realized that I was an alcoholic. And that was the root of all my problems. Because, I mean, I always I always messed around with uh, uh, methamphetamine, uh, Xanax, uh, anything I could really get my hands on. But I never... The underlying issue was always alcohol, and I didn't recognize it until I actually picked the blue book up uh, while I was sitting in jail. I read it like 30 times, front and back, front and back, and it was like, because I never woke up in the mornings with the cravings to drink, so I was like, man, I'm like the shakes and stuff like that, so I always figured, man, I ain't no alcoholic. Well, then in, in one of the stories, he, he mentioned that when he, he didn't, he didn't crave, he didn't have the cravings like that, but when he drank, he couldn't stop. Yep. It was like it was it just kicked off that phenomenon. And, and I would just I would just drink to excess, bro. And and I, I totally, I, you know, and I had that reservation, too, about I'm not an alcoholic, you know, like, you know, it's easy for us to say we're addicts. You know what I mean? It's a lot easier for me to say I was a drug addict than an alcoholic because, like, the proof is in the pudding. I was spending fucking hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on pills. I wasn't spending yeah. that on alcohol, you know what I mean? And when I drank, I, I got fucked up. I mean, in high school, I was nicknamed mess, you know what I mean? You don't get nicknamed a mess by, you know, by being a cordial guy when you're drunk, Yeah. you know? <laughs> you know? And But, yeah, I, I started drinking alcoholically at 12, but I didn't know that until I started doing my step work and doing some looking back, you know, and being like, oh, shit, that's when I started drinking for different reasons. Because as we both know, it's not about how much we drank, it's why we drank. Yeah. You know, and people don't realize that, you know, and you probably deal with it too. When I got sober, one of my, you know, good friends, I'm not, you know, I don't even talk to anymore. He's like, you're not a fucking alcoholic. I can out drink you and I'm not an alcoholic. I'm like, well, listen, it's not about, you know, how much we're drinking, man. Like, I don't give a shit how much you can drink. It's why I drank. Maybe you drink just to celebrate. I don't. That's what makes yeah. me an alcoholic, dude. Like as he's trying to push a shot on me so we can go to a funeral for a friend that just overdosed. I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm, I'm not doing a shot. He goes, he would want you to do a shot for him. I'm like, no, he wouldn't. Him and I got sober together, motherfucker. I know what he would want. You, you haven't talked to him since high school. You don't know shit, <laughs> you know? Oh. So um, when did you start drinking then? Uh, I started drinking at an early age, maybe 14, 15. Um, yeah, you always been in South was, Carolina? Was, no, I'm from Augusta, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it started at an early age for me. I, I was raised in a home where there was alcoholics. My dad's an alcoholic. My mom was a cokehead. Um, so I had, I had the, the stuff around, um, around me at all times. And I remember, um, when I was young, I was kind of curious about it. My dad kind of, he just kind of put it up to my mouth and I, I kind of tasted it. And I believe, I mean, it, it was, just, I threw up for like maybe three or four hours straight after I, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, that's when it started for me. How quickly did you find other things? Like, you know, you said meth, um, you said Xanax, you know, how quickly were you checking out other things besides just drinking? Like it took me a couple of years to, you know, I got into like muscle relaxers by the time I was a senior in high school. Right. Like I would be so hung over in the first period that we would need like some somas just, just to get through the first couple periods of the day, you know, but yeah. like, it wasn't anything crazy until I was like 22, like late 2000s. Man, listen, when I was a kid, I remember going, I remember, I, I, now that I can look back on it, I can tell that I, I had to have been born with this disease because back when I was a kid, I remember going to the grocery stores, man, and loading up on boxes of triple C's. You remember, you remember the triple C's? The cough, yeah. cold, congestion pills just to get high. You know what I'm saying? It, and and that's, the, that's the weird thing about it. People, people think that, that, Hey, I, you know, I didn't really start getting to become an addict until I started using drugs or an alcoholic. So I started drinking. No, that's it's already in you. It's already like imprinted in your brain. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's the just, behaviors. Yeah, it's the behaviors. It's, that's where it is. It's all in your brain. 
But um, yeah, yeah, I'd go get the triple C's. Um, uh, ice wasn't really that big. It was Coke back then because I'm 38 now. Uh, It it was on the scene, but it wasn't as big as it was now. Um, But yeah, it was. I would dibble and dab with the Coke, drinking. Um, I feel like I feel like Breaking Bad, even though it's an amazing show, it really it really sparked a lot of curiosity for addicts, right? You know, yeah. like I, I love Breaking Bad, but it also I never I never fucked with meth. I was a downer dude. You know what I mean? Like I did coke whenever I was trying to die because I was trying to mix it with my pills. You know, but like um, I wasn't I never fucked with meth because I watched Breaking Bad. But then there's the addicts that watch like shows like Breaking Bad. They're like, oh, I want that too. You know, I wouldn't look out windows all day long. I don't know what, I don't know why, but they do. And, you know, but because that's when I feel like I started hearing about meth all over all of a sudden. Like, even in Jersey, like I'm from South Jersey, there's Coke flows through that area because of the port in Camden and Philly. So, like, we always had crazy amounts of Coke, but really meth started coming around, I feel like, in the last 10, 15 years, really hardcore, like, I started hearing about it more on the West Coast and down South. And then eventually, as you know, you know, it makes its way up. So, you know, yeah, I know exactly what you mean about it was Coke and then now meth is more bigger. Plus, it's cheaper. Everyone knows it's cheaper, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I, mean, I feel shit, like Breaking Bad kind of glorified the whole the whole thing. It was like glorifying. It. And then when everybody seen that, it was just like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to do what he's doing. He's getting all this money and this and that. The other a lot of this, a lot of the problems today, I feel like. Me personally, it comes from TV and music. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely that. I mean, it's definitely TV. It's definitely what you can see on social medias too. You know what I mean? Especially nowadays, it's the social medias that people post on social media between Snapchat, where it's more private, or you know, TikTok and Instagram, and people are seeing these, you know, do all these things, and they're sending these messages, and they're sending, you know, these memes out about getting fucked up and they're like oh i want to get fucked up like that too and i want to escape like that too how do i do that you know there's some facebook groups and unfortunately like i'm in like a dozen addiction groups on facebook and they're most of the people are in there like us and they're in recovery like how we met and then there's the people in there they're like hey i found this and i heard if you do it's like basically asking us for advice on how to get high with it yeah you know and people entertain it because they don't realize that they're trying to get high with their answer you know because we're addicts so we know how to manipulate a question to sound like we're asking for help when really we're just trying to get high with that like i can read between the lines but not everybody can yeah um so you started early and then were you getting in trouble right away though because you said you were in and out all the time so were you already getting in trouble right away early yeah, the Xanax is, I mean, to be honest with you, when I started taking the Xanaxes, I started stealing stuff. Uh, Bro, I would go, you know, that's a story, it, right? That's like my show should be called I Steal Shit on Xanax because everybody I talk to, that even today's episode, I just posted a clip on TikTok and Instagram where the girl's talking about a police chase they got into because they were on Xanax and stole shit from a Lowe's. Like, <laughs> everyone's, I, I got arrested for stealing on Xanax too. I feel like half my, you know, audience or half my um, people I've interviewed have been on Xanax and stole shit. Like, that's what you do. Like, it's yeah. crazy. So it's you, were, you, can't, you can't help yourself. <laughs> you don't even remember. You, most uh-huh. of the time, you don't even remember. You wake up and you're like, where the fuck did I get all this shit from? You know, and you're like, Xanax, that's where I got it from. You know, that $5 bar gets me $30 in merchandise from CVS. You know, and <laughs> it's just so fucking weird. Um, so you're getting into that down in Georgia, right? When did you go up to South Carolina? I moved up to South Carolina maybe 2010 when I, I got out of prison in 2010 from uh, uh, Roger State Prison down there, us uh, down there towards Savannah. And I took a Greyhound bus up here to Charleston. And see, that wouldn't, my, my whole meth thing didn't really start until I got here, until I got here to Charleston. Um, it was just, it was mainly just Coke, Xanaxes, alcohol, um, Mainly just coke back in Augusta days. I was I was shooting it, smoking it, any any kind of which way you could you could you could think of. I was doing it, and and I think that to be honest with you, I mean that I think I was at my lowest when back then because that was that was a hell of a drug, man. I hate to say it, um, I feel sorry for the ones that are that are struggling with it today because I remember times, man, like I would just. I You're talking about Zannies, right? No, Coke. Coke, yeah. Yeah. Um, shooting it, um, I would mix liquor with it. 
and you know what I'm saying? If I couldn't get no water to mix with it, it it, it, was, it was horrible, dude. I, I was just. How was the psychosis for you? Oh, man, I like I would see shadow people. I could, I would see things that I wasn't there. Um, yeah. I remember I remember a time that I was up under a house. Um, um, we would go up under there and shoot a shot of some coke, and um, it was up under like the house, the ventilation part of the house. You could go. You could actually crawl the crawl space. Yeah, you could. That's a, yeah. That's up. the best place to have a lot of room to shoot some coke is in a fucking crawl space, bro. With plenty of light. It's plenty safe. <laughs> oh, see, no, we didn't have light. We would do it no, at two o'clock point. in the morning. I'm being sarcastic as fuck. <laughs> You're like dark as shit in a crawl space, fucking just blindly shooting into yourself with some coke where you can't. You have to hit a main line with some blow, right? You have. To, I never. I. I'm not an IV user. We used we used candles and then as soon as we would hit the shot we'd blow the candles out and just like see like ghost people running all over the place, bro. It was insane. Well I guess you can't hear, I guess you on. can't hear I guess you can't hear footsteps in the basement if you're in the crawl space. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> that's one of the things I hear most about. Like the yesterday's episodes is you know old timer. He's got twenty five years, but he was doing George Young's coke back from Blow in the eighties in Boston. You know, you know that movie, and that yeah. dude was bringing that coke yeah. to Boston. He was getting it from him, not directly, but his dude was getting it from him back in the eighties. And the first six years he was sniffing. The other two he started freebasing. Um, cause he met a pipe fitter who introduced him to a torch cause you didn't Google shit in the eighties. You had to meet somebody to teach you a new way. So, you know, that dude taught him how to freebase. And then he started calling the cops all the time for hearing voices in the basement and noises in the basement. And, you know, I even have a sponsee that, you know, his girlfriend sent him to rehab, um, because he was flipping out on her that there was noises in the basement, noises in the basement. She's like, motherfucker, we're in a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> we're in a trailer. <laughs> you're going back to rehab. I know what you're doing. <laughs> you know? But he just celebrated six months the other day. So, you know, that worked out for him, luckily, you know. And that's kind of the blessing of doing this is getting to see that kind of progression, getting to laugh at those kind of like fucking, you know, crazy times that we have. Um, the further you get away, the more you can laugh, you know. Um a lot of people a lot of people say, you know, uh they wish they could go back in time and take back some of the stuff that they did in my life. I I don't I don't think that, bro. I I mean to be honest with you, I'm glad I I lived through it to be able to because I got three kids, man, and 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 that that'd be something that I, I have knowledge now. I have lots of knowledge not only to help my kids in the future have to deal with stuff like that from other kids, but for for the newcomer, you know what I'm saying? Like for the next person that I meet at these meetings that's that's struggling with the same addiction, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what that's what today that's what really like keeps me sober today is doing service work man helping the next man out i got like like four or five friends that i didn't got into oxford and got employed out there at the port man it's just turned our life around bro and i think that's where the real blessing comes in at man i feel great today and it really is too because you know once we stop working a program is when we start relapsing in our head once we stop being of service for other people we start servicing ourselves again. And once we start being self-serving, we start looking to self-fulfill. And the only way we know how to self-fulfill if we're not self-serving is by getting high. You yeah. know, this is my new high now. You know, let's be honest. Like, we still get high. We just get high off different things now. You know, I don't get high from drugs. I get high from interactions. I get high yeah. from having a great conversation with somebody. I get high from learning a new thing. I get high from teaching something something to somebody that they never knew before, you know, and seeing their reaction to, you know, realizing what I just told them. Like, I get high off that shit now. So it's not yeah. like we don't get high anymore. We still get dopamine, you know, to us all the time. It's not like we stop that. It's just we're now we're changing how we're doing it and why we're doing it. You know, we're yeah. not self-serving. We're not, you know, it's almost like, you know, every one of us is a master manipulator. Let's be honest. All of us. We're all manipulators. You know, we've been manipulating ourselves and others since we were kids. Um, and it's really hard defect to stop, right? It was one of my defects that I was really struggling with when I was going through my step work. And I was talking to my, my sponsor and my therapist. And they're like, you're looking at it wrong. And it can't be about manipulating others to self-serve. You can still manipulate others to help themselves, though. Do good. Yeah, to do good. So as long as you're right. manipulating somebody else and the end result is going to help that person, not help you. 
then it's okay. So you just got to think of it that way. It's not like you're going to stop manipulating. It's just that the way you're going to talk to people is going to be different because you're not going to be trying to serve yourself. Yeah, that, that, that made sense to me. Yeah. You know, so what did you go with? That's... Yeah, <laughs> it helps. Yeah, that's, that's the first time I heard it like that. That's the first. I'm be honest with you. That's the first time I've ever actually heard that. You know, okay. that's actually that just made me realize something else. You know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. I always knew I was a manipulator. <laughs> Yeah, you know it is, saying? you know, when when you do those steps, you know, I got this, you know, character defects. I'm like, fuck, you know, I'm a salesman, bro. I'm born and raised a salesman. My dad's a salesman 60 years. I'm my dad's spawn. You know, I am a salesman. I can't help when I'm talking. It sounds like I'm selling you me. It's just how I talk. Like, and, you know, it's one of those things where like, okay, my sponsee, right? He just celebrated six months. He got Vivitrol early on. And now I'm thinking his, his DOC was meth. And I'm like, fuck, he, he might be like in his head. I can still do meth with Vivitrol. So I manipulated him. I'm like, hey, man, you told me um, that when you were, you know, slinging meth around here, it was just full fentanyl in there everywhere. He's like, yeah, it's crazy. Fentanyls and all the meth around here, bro. And I was like, oh, shit. Doesn't Vivitrol interact badly with fentanyl? And he was like, yeah. oh, yeah, it does. I would get fucked up if I tried meth. So that was my way of manipulating him without saying, you can't do meth because of this, because then yeah. we're addicts. It's like, fuck you, watch me. You yeah. know, at least that would be my head. So I got to talk to people how I would want to be spoken to, you know, and how I would want to receive information, which is in a way so that I come up with the answer. You just kind of lead the horse to the water a little bit. Um, yeah. Now, when you're in there for that nine months, you start reading the big book. Were you hitting the H and I meetings inside too? Were you guys having that? No, or was COVID um, shutting them down? Yeah, we. That's when COVID was like. COVID, yeah. We had matter of fact, somebody had caught COVID in the jail, and we were locked down. Like uh, we would only come out for rec maybe like every other day. It was horrible, dude. I think that's what that's. I know for a fact that's when I had my my spiritual awakening was when I was in jail. Is because, because you couldn't only, interact with others in the jails. Others, well, see, I had previously tried recovery up in Greenville. I was I went to a program up there, Solutions Recovery, and um, the, I was court ordered to, and I didn't. I I felt like I did. I didn't want to be there, bro. Like because I needed like to I be there. there. I needed to be there, but I didn't want to be there. Well, that's and that's why it didn't work. And I oh. needs and wants is a huge theme of my show. When you need something for somebody else, when you want sobriety, you fucking get it. Straight up, that's all it is. So I'm sitting up in Greenville, and and the whole time this is this is before I re I read the big book and stuff like that, and this is when I before I recognized I was an alcoholic. The whole time I'm in Greenville, I'm thinking, okay, I could just stay clean off of meth. I'm gonna go to the liquor store and get me a couple of shots of this this Fireball, this this little the little bottle the little bottle shot now. The airplane bottles. Yeah, and, and I drink those. Next thing you know, I'm going back to the liquor store to get a pint. This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. You know, I'm trying to run over the director of solutions in my in, in my car I just bought, which I still have. I got the video on my phone, bro. I'll send it to you later. There he goes. Now he's about to blast him. I walked over there and tried to pull him. He blasted him on the other side of the car? Door's open and he's fucking in the door. Hmm. Here he goes. There he goes. Now he's got him pinned behind he's the door. He's got him pinned behind the door. No shit. All the way up into the dumpster. Oh. Tries to crush him into the door and then crush him. And then look, everybody. <laughs> and I'm surprised. And, I'm, and, and it could have been a lot worse, bro. Um, yeah. I could have actually hit that man. And, and I would be sitting in jail on, on vehicle homicide charges. You know what I'm saying? And, and the whole time I'm in Greenville, I'm just like, yeah, I could do this. I could do it. And just because I'm not doing I'm clean off a of meth, I'm good. 
but I'm an addict. I'm an addict overall, bro. Alcohol, it don't matter what it is. So, um, yeah, that's I, I we tried forget that alcohol is a drug. Period. Yeah, like we for, forget. You know, it's almost like, especially it sounds like when I say we, I mean me and you because we both were kind of in denial about alcohol. It sounds like we both knew we were drug addicts, right? It sounds like we both knew the entire time, like, yeah, I'm doing drugs and it is what it is. Deal with it. You know, this is my life. But we weren't alcoholics because we weren't waking up shaking. I wasn't yep. withdrawing from alcohol. But when I drank, it was always to escape. I was never drinking to, like, celebrate something. Even if I said I was, my mind was so far gone, it was always an escapism thing. I was ready to die for the last three years. You know, I lost a fiancé to suicide. I was ready to die for the last three years. Of my that, Thank you. Yeah, I'm good now, luckily, because of, you know, working the steps and having some clarity. But I was blaming myself. Everyone was blaming me. And I'm just, like, hitting the bottle, both the fucking pill bottle and the alcohol bottle, you know? Like... It was done. Anything to numb and go away and not have to think because we're all empaths, right? So we overthink things and we analyze, we overanalyze, Ooh. we get stuck in our head, we stay up all Ooh. night and it just it bounces around. All the thoughts, they bounce around. And if we're not talking out loud and living out loud and recovering out loud, that shit gets caught up in here and we start lying to ourselves. We start manipulating ourselves. Talking yeah. ourselves into some shit. Like, oh, I can drink an airplane bottle of Fireball. I don't yeah. need a... <laughs> and then it's like, I can drink a pint of Fireball. I can drink a fifth. <laughs> it's yeah. no big deal. You know, when I relapsed on drinking, you know, I literally... It, I had 13 months clean. And I relapsed on drinking. And um, it was... I grabbed a six-pack. And I, I poured out two. And then drank the other four. Because I'm not an alcoholic. I don't need all six. Look, I'll prove it to you. And I'll pour out two. You know, yeah. that kind of fucking mentality. It's dumb as shit. Looking back now, in the moment, I thought, oh, this is how I'm going to justify it. And I didn't drink alcoholically in that nine months, surprisingly, though. But I finally did. It, it took nine months because I was so indoctrinated with the book that I knew all of this the entire time I was drinking. I knew all the stories. I knew the cautionary tales. So I was really careful for nine months. And then I woke up, woke up hungover and realized I killed a bottle of Jack. And then I was like, I wasn't supposed to do that. You know, old JD now has to either get drunk at 10 a.m., has to either get some pills, or has to never drink ever again. Yeah. And um, it was leap day. It was 2-29-20. And I said to my wife, this is a perfect sober date. You want to quit with me? And so she was an alcoholic before we met and then kind of slowed down, moderated when we met. And then, um, yeah, she quit with me, and that's both of our sober dates now. So it was like, what better sober date than fucking a day you only see four years? You know, it yeah. makes you wait that four years to get that one year now, you know? So now you, you don't have to say which fellowship, but you do still work it hard, though, right? You still go to meetings all the time and, like, yeah. go and, okay. Yep. That's, yep. So, I go to meetings. Um, these, matter of fact, around you guys. we got a lot of stuff going on down here in Charleston, man. We got an um, uh, upcoming Christmas party, um, and we got a New Year's Eve bash coming up for New Year's. Um, it's going to be like a masquerade, uh, type okay. thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. I had to go get my mask and my suit and everything like that. So yeah, man, you're the third person I think from Charleston. I've had, I've had Jr. on, you know, Jr. I'm sure, you know, yep. and I've had Latasha on and I, now you, you know, so it's crazy. Cause like for me, Charleston means a lot because my higher power lives in Charleston. Yeah. Um, Bill Murray is who I consider my higher power. So I've always known about Charleston because of like those Bill Murray stories of him like walking up on people in bathrooms and shit and like touching their shoulders yeah. and whispering in their ear. Charleston so, has a really good Charleston has a really good recovery down here, bro. It's like top notch. I've never seen nothing like it. Um, I've tried recovery in Greenville. I've tried recovery in Augusta. Um, I've and down here it's just like they have fun with the recovery and that's what it's about. It's about having fun with it and showing that the guy who, who, who cannot seem to have fun sober, have a good time. You see what I'm saying? We have bonfires down here. Um, and it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun, brother. Love it sounds like LA. Yeah. It sounds like how it was for me in LA. I was, I got sober in Los Angeles originally and the community, the recovery community out there is amazing. There's like three, 400 meetings a week in LA County alone. 
um and some of the like closest groups too like we used to hang out and do meetings like on the beach you could do meetings on the boardwalk you do meeting i used to do a meeting in the front yard in venice every saturday night you know and yeah. that meeting ended up growing so much that it's twice a day and like 50 people each meeting that show up to that meeting on the, in the front yard in venice you know so like it just grows and I'm, now i'm trying to do that i live in rural pa and like no one shows up sometimes and it is what it is I, this is brand new to like they're not even na around here and i'm trying to start na up around here so because the meth is just wild <laughs> yeah. around here but aa is like kind of my thing where i i've gone through the steps with that's where my sponsor is that kind of thing but i just either way it's about support it doesn't matter if you go to aa na smart recovery meetings just going to therapy and talking to a therapist, you know, like yeah. it's about having some kind of support network. Shit, there's people on like in the Facebook and TikTok community and Instagram community, and that's their recovery network. Yeah. If that works for you, it works for you. I'm not going to hate on it. Now, do they um up there in PA, do y'all have like different types of meetings? Like I know down here we got AA, NA, we got CA. Uh, CMA, which is Crystal Myth Anonymous. I have a CMA um, chip, actually. <laughs> from a, yeah, uh, that's like, from LA, though. That's from LA. So, no. Up here, no, nah, man. There's barely even NA in my town. Um, we're in a college town up in the mountains. Um, kind of by the Poconos a little bit. Kind of near Scranton, where the office was. Everyone knows that. Um, that's where we are. And so, no, it's, it's not. Like, I know CA very well. My first ever meeting I ever went to in sub in recovery was a ca meeting in los angeles um i've been to ca um cma i even went to a marijuana anonymous meeting out in west hollywood at one time um, i was doing this thing i was trying to hit 20 meetings in two days and um, i was just challenging myself in la there's plenty of opportunity to do that and there's this place i found in west hollywood called the west hollywood recovery center and they would hold meetings like eight meetings a day and I was trying to fill my quota, so I was like, fuck it, I'll sit in, an, in a Marijuana Anonymous meeting. So <laughs> I sat yeah. in that meeting, too. You know, and oh, I, didn't I, got, even know they, I didn't even know they had those. There's a meeting for everything, bro. There's, you know, the Sex and Love Anonymous, you know, SLA. Oh, no, you know, it's called SA in other places, or it's called SLA, but it's the same difference, you know. But it all comes back to the big book, let's be real. All of those A's are just adopted from the original 1935, you know, what Bill and Bob did. Even even N.A. was 1953 when they partnered up and said, hey, can we kind of pretty much use your text, you know, <laughs> verbatim, but just change narcotic? You know, it's basically the same shit. It's more intense, in my opinion. I think N.A. is more intense when it comes down to the step work. You know, you got like a packet to fucking do, like... I, I and I see people take a lot longer to go through the steps in NA than they do AA. There's like literally you can go through the steps in a month if done right. But yeah. NA, it's supposed to take a year or two. It's supposed to take a long time. I I, I kind of get it, but I like going through the steps quickly. I like going through them quickly and doing them over and over again. You're never not done doing the steps. No, you never, should be never living. Done. <laughs> you should be living in the steps. You got to get the 10 fast. So you can start doing an inventory. You know, I, the first thing I learned was how to do a step 10 before I learned how to do anything, you know, to just do a daily inventory and just start being grateful. Did you ever say the word grateful before you got sober? Uh-uh. <laughs> Did you I know it know, existed? I didn't even know what grateful was. When I, Except for I Thanksgiving. Was back, yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. I was about to say, back when I was getting out, but the only thing I would say grateful. I would recognize what grateful would be Thanksgiving. <laughs> yep. I didn't know people said that all year round, you know, and you see people winning awards and you're saying grateful. I'm like, you know, now I start hearing the word. I never even heard the words being said by other people until I got sober. It's that fucking weird. Like I never heard people say it in like speeches or on TV. And now I feel like I hear it everywhere. And it's because I am it. I'm living in that kind of like attitude that I am grateful to be here. So when you are living in that kind of way in that mindset of looking for reasons to be happy, as opposed to looking for reasons to escape like we used to, then we hear different shit, right? Yeah. Like I'm sure you've been to meetings in addiction and like, this isn't for me. Fuck this. This is bullshit. This is a cult. I'm never going to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, and it was all about our mindset walking in that door you know, nothing changed. It's still the same book. It's still the same fucking people, too. The My only thing difference was just is trying something new. Just that trying. willingness. I, I, just want, 
yeah, I've been living this way for so long. It's just like, why not give it a shot? You know, yeah, what nothing I mean? else is working. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> Me being my own therapist and pharmacist did not work as well as I thought it was going to. You know, all my 20s, I was like, I'm a therapist and my own pharmacist. I got this. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get this. <laughs> I did not get it. I mean, you know, so what how do you feel about rock bottoms? Do you feel like you, you hit a rock bottom? Yeah, I, I, I definitely I definitely hit a rock bottom Um, is I knew that I, I knew the reason I was up in Greenville. What I, I was I was there to try to get help with my addiction. And when I woke, when I came to in the county jail this past time, after being so drunk, I don't even. I, I woke up in a hotel and I was like, "How did I even get here?" I had to ask the police, "What did I do?" And when they explained to me what I'd done, I was just like, "I was like, ain't no way I'm back here again, bro." It was. It was. It was just like. A, it. That's. That's when I knew I. I was done with this. I. I, I wanted. I, I had to do something different. I had to live my life, or I'm gonna end up spending the rest of my life in jail. And then um, I did. It was funny because the day I got locked up uh, was the day that my baby girl was born. The exact, the exact day, and I don't know if it, it was. It's always God's will. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's never a coincidence. It, it was, yeah. it was, it was planned for that to happen, and it, I, I just felt like a teetotal piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's always like they always say, like our higher power does for us what we can't do for ourselves. You know, yeah. and we never would have put ourselves in jail. You never would have put yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. He put you there so you can have that wake up, you know, because and and, and is that when you started reading a book on your own yep. and exploring? Yeah, because you had heard about it. Yep. I, I had a friend send it to me in jail and I spent a lot of time. Like I said, we came out every other day. So I had enough time to be able to just read it. And then the, the books was like very scarce in there. Like everybody yeah. was like getting the books and they were holding on to them. So I, I just said, man, can you send me the blue book? I want to go ahead and start reading. And I read it multiple times. I mean, I remember reading it. And then like two days later, I just started reading it again. It's you like know? watching a movie over again. Yeah. <laughs> we watch the same movies over again. Why can't we read the same books over again? Yeah. You know, and, and I and I agree because, you know, a lot of people, um, I, I, I firmly believe that all of our rock bottoms look the same. I think we all have different, you know, lows. We all have different, you know, things and bumps in the road. But I truly believe our rock bottom is the day that we surrender. And we're just like, I give up. I just need to do something different. You know, there's people in sobriety that I know that haven't hit rock bottom. You know, they haven't asked for help yet. They're just white knuckle on it. And they're trying to figure out a way to be a normal person, but never drink. And I feel like they don't, they don't even really hit rock bottom until they're like, all right, how can I actually be happy, though? You know, it's about finding new ways to live and new solutions to live, you know? Yeah. Um, when, um, so you had that nine months. How long did your kratom go for before you, like, were like, ah, I'm going to be done with that and start over? Like, how um, long did that run go for? I went, I, I was using kratom maybe two months. Okay. Two months, and it was just like, it, that was that was even getting unbearable. Like I'd wake up in the mornings and I would have I'd take it and just just to get my day started. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's funny because that's that's the the addiction part. It's the habit forming. You know what I'm saying? Like I had I had just like a cigarette. When you get when you get finished eating, what do you want to do? If for somebody who smokes cigarettes, you got to light a cigarette up. I, I don't really think it's based the nicotine. That's the addic- the nicotine. It's it's addicting, but it's more of the habit of having to do it. Yeah. It's 100% that, and it goes back to the needs and wants, and I still even catch myself doing it because, you know, I see you're vaping, but I still smoke cigarettes. And and I literally, I know I need to quit, but I don't want to quit yet because I still enjoy that escape. And, you know, I know that it's harmful. I know all the risks. I've read about it for 20 fucking years. I know what I'm putting in my body, but... That cough, that's not from any kind of sickness. That's my fucking, you know, <laughs> smoking. At, that's my 12 to 35, you know, ass smoking, you know. I learned how to inhale with a black and mild when I was 12, you know. <laughs> like, I've been just like, I can't smoke cigars because I don't know how to inhale them. You know, I don't know how to not inhale. So I, I never even smoke cigars because I don't know how to not inhale them. Because I was inhaling black and milds for a little bit before I switched over to cigarettes when I was, you know, a responsible seventh grader. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's that cigarettes. I know I need to quit, but it's a matter of I'm not going to because I don't want it yet. I, I won't be able to actually follow through with it because I don't want it bad enough yet. I still enjoy that smoke after I eat something. I still enjoy that morning one. I still enjoy that coffee one. And that's my problem that I know that I have to work through, but it's a matter of I need my mind to want it more than I know I need to do it. Caffeine is caffeine and nicotine, bro. bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fucking ad for fucking newly sober people. Yeah. <laughs> and it and it is what it is you know because like we said earlier on we're always going to have shit that you know not that we're addicted to but things that we do to make us feel good you know but it's about what makes our life unmanageable me smoking cigarettes doesn't make my life unmanageable me me drinking monster doesn't make my life unmanageable i don't miss work because of a monster if i don't have a monster i don't miss work you know i would have still done this interview with or without that monster um Maybe the cigarettes, maybe, maybe not as easy. Maybe my life is a little unmanageable without the cigarettes, yeah. you know. But and that's just straight, you know, withdrawal dependency, and it is what it is. And I'll and I'll get through it. I quit. I, I was a dumbass, man. I took Shantix and rehab. I was taking Shantix and rehab to try to quit smoking because you can take that pill and then eventually, and while you smoke cigarettes, eventually you want to smoke less and less. And it worked. It was working really well. By the end of the 28 days, I was barely wanting a cigarette, wanting a cigarette, not needing, wanting. That's the difference, right? But the problem is I was doing too much. I was on a diet, I, you know, because I was like, I was a fat opiate. You know, I was an opiate addict who was big and I wasn't like the emaciated opiate addict. I was the heavy one. Yeah. Um, so I was on a diet. I quit drinking. I quit pills. I'm quitting cigarettes. And my sponsor's like, bro, you got to pick one and don't pick two. Don't pick two of the ones. You have to pick one of them, yeah. no. And so I started smoking again because, you know, it was what I needed to do in that time because I was doing too much. I didn't know I was doing too much. I needed somebody to tell me I was doing too much. And, and yeah, eventually, now I'm going to end up quitting eventually. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll get tired. I'll get tired of doing it, and then I'll just, I'll just put it down. I was you already, know, last week, I've already been contemplating on not vaping yeah. anymore. It's it's one it's that crazy thing, right? Because like when we reach out for help as addicts, and if we don't get that help, we give up. You know. So like my example is when I called for a rehab for the first time at 31. I had never been to rehabs ever. I'd always refused because I wasn't ready. So I was finally ready on my own. I made the decision I wanted to go, and I called this place in L.A. to see if they have a bed. And I always I know to this day if that guy didn't answer that phone, I would have never called back. You know, I'm glad at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night, he answered his phone and talked me for two hours and got me checked into rehab. Um, yeah. Without him answering the phone, I never would have went back. And the reason I definitely know that is because this past July, I'm like, I got to quit smoking again. And I was like, you know what? I'll get Shantix again. That Shantix makes me want it. And is that, is that dumb? Shantix is straight up a, a, a pill that you take once a day and for 28 days, right? And um, but the problem is, is they recalled it a week before I went to go get it because it causes suicidal ideations. I can live with suicidal ideations today, you know, because I know how to manage it. I know that it's my mind playing tricks on me. I, I know just talking about it is what you need to do when it comes in your head. The worst thing you can do when you have a suicidal ideation is not tell somebody, because then as people who are broken like I am. I'm going to try to trick myself and lie to myself and tell myself this is what I need to do. But when you tell somebody your deepest, darkest thing, like, hey, I, I might want to kill myself, then it's real. It's out there. You said the fucking words out loud and somebody else heard it. They didn't run from you. And now you can have a dialogue about it. You know, yeah. so it was like with cigarettes when I was like, hey, I need help with cigarettes. Oh, get me Shantix. And they're like, oh, it's recalled. We can't get it for you anymore. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm still smoking. You know, yeah. it was the same thing with the rehab. If he wouldn't have answered, I'd be like, guess I'm still doing pills. You know, it's just how our minds work. It's like, well, I gave it a shot and my solution wasn't going to work, so I can't do it now. But I do want to quit. You know, I got one in my pack right now and I got like six bucks in my account. And I'm like, come on, man. That's unmanageable as fuck. You know, yelling yeah. at myself. I know when all these. Spend the last bit of six bucks on some cigarettes. <laughs> yep. 
And the worst part is my cigarettes are nine bucks in PA. If I was in South Carolina, I'd be able to afford my Marlboros for six bucks. I, I used to live in uh, North bucks, Carolina. Nine dollars up there. Nine fifty. Nine fifty, bro. <laughs> Not even nine. It's like ten. You got to break it ten to get a pack of smokes. Like I, I remember living in Durham, and it was a five dollar bill for a pack of Marlboros. And when I was living in Durham, I used to live in the old L and M factory. Like legitimately, they turn you know Liggett and Myers L and M cigarettes, right? They their factory is in Durham, North Carolina, and um, I they ended up converting the original factory into luxury apartments. And my brother and I lived in there for a year in this old like cigarette factory in North Carolina. But I was when I was on a major fucking run with drinking. I was right after my fiance died, and I was just like at the bars and just like finding all the coke I could in North Carolina. I couldn't find pills, but I could get coke like crazy down there. And then I would get pills sent to me from Jersey, where I'm from. People would overnight them to me, and I would just Western Union money to them. This is before Cash App and all that shit. You know, I'm still kind of an old head when it comes to my addiction days, like and how I, you know, did things. And I, I know you get that because we started, you know, in our teens, you know, late. It's so different starting out doing drugs in the 90s, I feel like, because we didn't know unless we were with somebody. It's not like we could Google something to figure out how yeah. to do drugs. You know, we had to, like, be with the wrong crowd. We had to put ourselves in situations to get ourselves into trouble in order to do this shit. Is that what you were finding yourself doing, like, hanging out with the wrong people and everything? Yeah, it definitely. Well, it. it... When I started, when I started using uh, alcohol and drugs, I kind of I started finding the people that was doing it because I felt I felt alone. Like I was wanting to get high and get drunk, so I would go out and find people who were getting high and getting drunk. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So basically, <laughs> yeah. And and then once you find that crowd that accepts you for you getting high and drunk, it's on. And then you yeah, find the older people that can stuff, buy. That's when new stuff starts coming along. Because those people already got experience in doing different stuff, and now now they're they're passing the experience on to me, and now you're trying different different things. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Did you have all your kids in Charleston? No, nah, um, one's in Georgia, one's in Greenville, and I got one here in Charleston. Bro, you're spread yeah. out. Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> that, little, that little stunt, that little stint I did in Greenville. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That rehab love. That yeah. rehab love. That's exactly what it was too. We were both in recovery. <laughs> that's funny man that's what happens though because all of a sudden you start feeling things again when you get into early recovery and people don't that don't know about rehab love you know the problem is as both men and women you get into recovery and all of a sudden your body starts working again and even if we're still in residential for 29 days or 28 days in the first couple of weeks once we stop kicking our body starts working again and our you know we start getting feeling back in certain places and we need to explore that. And I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people got caught fucking in my rehab or got kicked out of my rehab for, you know what I mean? Like over and over again, people were getting caught. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. I was getting multiple. I was getting caught multiple times up there in solutions, bro. Every time they walked in the apartment, bro, I had I had a different chick in there, bro. And, and it was just my whole behaviors, bro. I if I, I wasn't even really serious about it. If I was, I wouldn't have been doing I wouldn't have been living that way. You see what I'm saying? Like, no, yeah, I know. Not only am I trying to escape from drugs, but I'm using now I'm substituting the drugs for sex. You know what I'm saying? And that's a lot of people don't realize, too. I mean, that's an addiction in itself, too. You know, it's it's that connection because we're we're missing that other connection. And well, I know, and it is the same thing because my drug was a relationship, it was just a really toxic one. You know, my most toxic relationship in my life was with was with Roxy Codone. That was my toxic relationship. That was, and it's true, people, when you're in a bad relationship with a person and a toxic one, they're always like, oh, well, they make me feel good, though, when we're alone. Yeah, it's bad sometimes, but it's great when we're alone. They say this and they say that. They make me feel good this way. Yeah, but he does this, this, and that to you. Yeah, but it does this, this, and that for me, too. And that's how our drugs are. People that don't understand it, that aren't drug addicts, they're like, how can you stay in this? It does this, this, and that to you. Look at you. You look horrible. I'm like, yeah, but I feel better. And it yeah. takes me away. And I don't, you know, and you don't understand it unless you're in it. But it is it is the most toxic relationship that you can be in is with drugs. So it's not surprising that we take away the drugs. And the next thing we do is get into a toxic relationship with a human that's looking for a new connection as well. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it makes total sense. Rehab love is like such like a big thing because of that. You know, there's so many jokes and memes about it and all that shit, but we have to joke about it because, you know, what else can you fucking do? You know, that's yeah, why I know. I, that's why I make my jokes all the time. And I try to laugh at the darkness and try to find light in the darkness because there's always going to be funny. It's always going to be funny. There's always going to be a way, you know, I used to do stand up. So like my job as a comedian was to find the funny, find a way to make that funny and think about it. How many times you heard, oh, that's too soon. That's too soon. But it's still a funny joke. It's not a matter of it wasn't a funny joke. It was just too soon. You can always find some light in some darkness, even within ourselves. And as soon as you can start laughing at your own past, that's when you really start healing. When you can start yeah. laughing at the ridiculous shit you did in your past, that's like a whole different kind of healing that I can't even explain. Yeah. So, but man, I'm so glad that we got to meet and talk and catch up a yeah, little bit. Yeah, me too, bro. I'm glad. You're, I'm kind of glad you, you you let me on the show today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're killing it, dude. Three months, but st- not even that nine months. Yeah, that nine months is a little more controlled, but that three months out the gate, and you're still like all about it. You're obviously you're living your recovery out loud. I see you all the time yeah. on Facebook posting the way you post, and you're just see the difference today is is I'm not forced. It's by choice. You know what I'm saying? I don't have nobody standing over me saying, "Hey, you got to do this. You got to do this." I'm I'm doing it today because I want to because I want better in my life. I just now recently got hired on full time at the port. You know what I'm saying? Awesome. Like that's that's something big. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's a great that's a that's a great job to have. And I'm I'm fortunate today. And and, and it seems like the next as long as I'm doing the next right thing, like good stuff is happening in my life. You know what I'm saying? And I wanted to yep. kind of like I'm I'm kind of by things like this happening, it's giving the next man hope. You know what I'm saying? That you can it 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 gets better. All you got to do is just not pick up one day at a time. Yep, and it is, it is that just don't pick up. Just don't like yep. stop starting. Like that's that's what I have an old timer here that comes here all the time because I didn't quit anything. I just stopped starting. I don't know how to quit. I know how to stop starting. You know, and that makes a lot of sense to me because I don't know how to quit anything. I just know how to stop starting something again. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, yeah, I can stop starting. You know. <laughs> but thanks again, dude. I appreciate it. <clears throat> I'll be in touch I with you. Appreciate you. Too. No problem at all, man. Have a great day. All right, brother. All right, I'll see you later. All right.